0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Go ahead and find a chair there where you are. You sound like a bunch of sinners who are happy that he did that for you. That's exactly how you should sound. So, welcome to church. Uh, Boy, if this is your first time here... Uh, you are in for a treat. You've already had a treat. It was just wonderful to be able to sing about God's great love and all the other things that we sang about. Because, well, when God doesn't work in our heart, it makes us want to sing. And um, I just have to let you in on a little thing. Just at the top of your. By the way, you can pull out your notes from your program. You're going to need them in a minute anyway. And uh, so, those of you who are first timers. Uh, There's some notes in your program, just pull it out. I want you to write this date at the top of your notes, August 23rd. I am so looking forward to that night. It's going to be a worship experience for our church that we've never had before. We're going to have an evening of worship, and and we've had evenings of worship before, but this one is going to have just a specialness about it because we're going to be recording a live album right here. Won't that be fun? So you you don't want to miss that night. You want to be here August the 23rd. And and I got to share with you one other thing. The song that that we were just just thrilled to be able to sing was written by one of the guys on the stage. And that evening, every song that goes on that album is going to be a song that God has authored through somebody in our church. That, my friends, is awesome. We are going to have a wonderful time just lifting our hearts to God and having a great time. So got that much for free this morning, not even in your notes. Now it is, all right? So I want to say this too. I want to say a welcome back to those of you who uh, spent the whole week in Mexico last Sunday morning. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. We sent 34 people into Mexico. Ten of them went to work in an orphanage, and I talked to one of them already this morning, and she said, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Okay? So I know they had a great time. I talked to some people who who picked up the people that came back from the house-building trip. You know, usually we go and build a house. We built a house. We built a second house. And we took a third house that had been damaged by fire, we put a new roof on it, we wired it up with electricity, we put new doors and windows in it, and we made a brand new house out of that. How about that? Three, house, th- three houses in one mission trip. <laughs> Maybe that fourth finger is because we have a team of students who are in Myrtle Creek, Oregon, even as I speak to you, and they are, they are working with a local team of students uh, to spread the gospel in that community. So, What a great week. What an awesome week. So, welcome to church. Now, for those of you who are brand new, welcome to you. You know, even if you're only here for one Sunday and even just for one service, I want you to know that whenever you come to church, God's not sleeping. Okay? He's at work in your life, and there's something He wants to accomplish in you this morning. And I hope you came ready to learn because we're going to learn about some stuff today So for those of you who are brand new, let me give you a little bit of the lay of the land inside your program. You already found your teaching notes. You're going to need those. I want you to pull out uh, two other things. I want you to pull out this card. We all pull it out every week. It's called, it says start here on one side and connect card on the other side. It's one of the most important tools in our church because it's our job as a church to help get you connected with God and other people. And this is how we get started in that process. So every Sunday we put our names on, on the front side of that because there's all sorts of ways to get connected and things to fill out on the back side. And we want to make sure that we can, we can fill whatever role you need us to fill in your life. But it begins by enabling us to get in touch with you if we need to. Um, we're very careful about your privacy and all that stuff, as you would expect. Uh, but if you'll if you'll put your name on that and just set that aside for right now, and um, and then get out your teaching notes, because we start a brand new series this morning and it's called Hunger Games, and uh, yeah, I know it's we're unabashedly you know tailgating on a movie, but the bottom line is we're gonna this whole series is based on a promise. That Jesus gave. And that's why the title of this teaching is called The Promise. And it's at the very beginning of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, and when Jesus begins this sermon, he pronounces eight different blessings. And we're going to take one of those blessings. And for the next several weeks, we're just going to dig into that promise because it's a wonderful promise. And take, take a look at the video screen. Here's what it says. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The first thing you need to know is that that's an active promise made by Jesus Christ. That's not an ancient promise that worked for some people somewhere at some time. That's an active promise that God makes to you right now in your life, and when God makes a promise, it's intended to produce results. And so, the, the, one of the most important things I could say to you as a pastor is that if you will take that promise and begin to build your life in accordance with that promise, something will happen in your life that will that will have a God dimension to it. It's huge. You're not just here for information. You're here to connect with the living God. And God says, listen, I want you to get this promise. It's my promise to you. If you will hunger and thirst after righteousness, I promise you, you're going to be satisfied. I will make that happen in your life. And the end result is you will feel blessed. You will feel happy. So, here's sort of my proposition for all of us. We all have in our lives an area or two, and maybe that's giving us the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure it is. We have an area or two that those who know us well would not describe as righteous. You know what I mean? If you don't know what I mean, you just go ask a friend, what part of my life isn't righteous? Take a long sheet of paper because you will need it, okay? So here's what I want us to do. Over the next several weeks, let's identify this area and let's make it a test case and let's put God to the test. And let's trust Him to transform that area of of unrighteousness in our life Over the next few weeks, are you on board with that? Okay. Now that you know what that area is, I'm I'm going to refer to it often. All right, Uh, it's different for everybody, obviously. Okay, so that's the promise. Now here's the problem. Anybody here ever watch a Peanuts cartoon? Of course you do. And when adults talk in a Peanuts cartoon, (laughs) how do they get heard? Well, uh, yeah, that's it. You have seen the Peanuts cartoons. Did you know that when God talks, we hear Him that way sometimes? (laughs) We have this internal translator that God says one thing, and we actually hear something else. Now, we just read what God said. But here's how we hear it, okay? And, And so the first problem is this. We tend to hear it like this. Happy are those who make sure their behavior is righteous because God will give them something they really want. That's what we typically hear. So we know what we need to do. Okay, I've got to make my life righteous because if I don't make my life righteous, God won't be on my side. And if God's not going to be on my side, I won't get the stuff I really want. Even though that's not what God said. That leads us to the second problem, and that is this. We assume righteousness is something we're obligated to do for God. I mean, if you're going to talk the talk, what's the rest of that? You better what? That's right. It's all on you. Now, to be sure, God, God doesn't call you into a connection with Himself so you can live like a hypocrite. I understand that. But the real question is, how can I walk the walk? Because the answer to that is a lot different than I think we assume many times. So those are the problems. So now let's unpack the promise that Jesus gave and, and take a look at it. It has, in, in the promise itself, there's a goal... There's a term, and there's an inference. And we're going to look at each one of those. But before we look at those, I want you to understand the context of of this promise. If you have a Bible, and you looked at the table of contents in your Bible, you would find out that your Bible is divided into two testaments. An Old Testament and a New Testament. Those of you who work in the legal realm... When a person leaves a last will and testament, isn't it the last one that's in power? Not the first one, correct? That's the basic idea behind your Bible. The Old Testament was God's first will and testament with his people. The New Testament is his last will and testament to his people. Now, I want you to think about this. When you sit down with a family at the reading of the will, if it's a healthy family, and if the person who has died genuinely loves their children and their grandchildren, do they make some promises to them? What do you think? Yes. Are there ever any conditions for that promise to be realized? Like, you don't get this until you turn 21. Or in some cases, you don't get this until you're married. And if they really don't trust you, you don't get this until you've been married 10 years to the same person. (laughs) Okay? Now, I want you to think of the Bible as God's last will and testament to you. And in it, because he loves you, he makes this wonderful promise. And there's a promise, it has a goal, there's a term or a condition that God expects us to meet in order to receive the promise. And then there's an inference that's sort of implied there. Let's take a look at the goal. The goal is that whatever God is going to give us, He gives us because He wants us to experience joy and satisfaction in this life. For some of us here this morning, that, my friends, is a major life changer. Because if your background of going to church was church was all about guilt and all the thou shalt nots, then this tells you no. The reason that God spells out anything he spells out in his word is because he wants to see you experience life in a way that brings joy and satisfaction to you. Not just to him, but to you. So that's the goal. Now, let's take a look at the term. The term or the condition that we need to meet, amazingly, is not about a set of behaviors, although that's what we usually hear and that's what we usually think. The the term is a heart condition. It doesn't say, blessed are those who have righteous behavior. What does it say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness It's a condition of the heart or the soul. That's a really important distinction to make because the promise, in order for us to receive the benefits of the promise, we have to understand what makes the promise work. So hear me right up front. Jesus is not saying you have to achieve a certain level of righteousness in order to be satisfied. He says there's something that has to go on in your heart. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But then there's an inference in this promise. And the inference is what Jesus doesn't say, but certainly what he infers. And he infers that joy and satisfaction can't be found elsewhere. That's the idea. And friends, I think we really struggle with the term and the inference. Virtually every person I've ever known struggles with both. We have a natural tendency to think joy and satisfaction can be found elsewhere, but we want God on our side in case you know all hell breaks loose. But in the meantime, we'd certainly like to to pursue joy and happiness our own way. Okay, I'm not here to make you feel guilty, but if you've ever bought a lottery ticket. You believe joy and happiness can be found elsewhere. I know, there wasn't a whole lot of amens to that, all right? But you know something? It's okay, that's for another sermon, another time, all right? I just want you to know we struggle with that stuff, even if you've never bought a lot. I've never bought a lottery ticket, but I struggle to believe day after day after day that my real joy and my real satisfaction can be found only one place. And that's in having this hunger and thirst in my heart after righteousness. So, let's dig a little deeper into this promise. Because it's at this level that we begin to really understand it, okay? When the Bible uses this word righteousness, it's actually talking about three major areas of our life. Okay? It's talking about our nature, it's talking about our desires, and it's talking about our behaviors. So whenever you read the word righteousness in the Bible, it's not just talking about your actions. In other words, if I treat a person well because I'm a Christian, but on the inside I hate them, that's not righteous. While the actions may be righteous, I'm missing the concept of righteousness. Now, we have a natural assumption, and the assumption is, I look at this and I go, do I have a lot of control over my desires? Well, maybe a little bit, but not a lot. Do I have a lot of control over my nature? Have you ever tried to change your nature? can't do that. You can't do that. So you know what we do? We think, well, this is the one I can control right here. So we go to work on our behavior and here's sort of how it looks. And let's just assume that your area of, of unrighteousness is getting mad at your kids. We never do that, but there are some people out there we know who might, right? Okay. So that's, that's the area of unrighteousness, right? And so you think, all right, here's, what, here's what's going to happen i got to not be angry at my kids and yell and scream at my kids. and So I've really got to work on my behavior and I've got to quit yelling and screaming and, or at least I shouldn't do it as much as I do it now. And so you go to work on that and here's what you hope. That if I continually control my behavior and I do that well enough, then pretty soon I might even want to do that. And if I do that long enough, it might actually become natural for me, and I would reach a point where it's not even in my nature to be angry at my kids. You know what Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? If you've ever had a problem being angry at your kids, you will never reach a point on your own where it's not in your nature to be angry at your children because... Your children will always do things that get under your skin. They're kids. That's their job. Well, no, that's not their job, but they make it their job, right? It's just how it rolls. That's just how it works. You know, when I was praying about this, God said to me, you know, you know the problem with this? This is like building a house, and you look at the house, and you say, I don't really know how to build a house, but you know what I know how to do? I know how to build a roof. So I'm going to build a roof, and I'm, I'm hoping as I build the roof, it will begin to occur to me how I can build the stuff under the roof. And then if, if, if I build that stuff well enough, I, I'm hoping it will occur to me eventually how to build the foundation. I want to live in that house and neither do you. But this is our assumption, and this is how, unfortunately, it usually works in our world. I want you to think about this for a minute. When you go to your job, the idea is, if your behavior, if your production is good enough, the boss will be on your side. If your production is not good enough, what happens between you and the boss? it's not pretty. It's not good. We live in a world that's so behavior and production-oriented, it's hard for us to address this concept of nature. Okay? Now, here's what, here's how God goes about this. And as you might expect, God goes about it exactly the opposite that we go about it. Because you know what? God knows that our behavior's Never give birth to our desires. They just don't. Our desires are what create our behaviors. You could illustrate that in a million ways in your life. But whatever desire you feed in yourself eventually comes out in your behaviors. A few weeks ago we were shocked at the guy down in Santa Barbara who had the 137-page manifesto who went in and shot up some people. You know what happened? He just fed the wrong desires long enough. You know something? We don't have a 137-page manifesto. That's why we don't shoot people up. But that's also why we yell at our kids. Because our manifesto is only like three pages long. Sally... Billy and Susie. Or whatever your kids' names are. Yeah. God says, look, this is your nature. Now think with me for just a minute how impossible it would be for someone who has a wrong nature to have right behaviors. How's that going to work? It's impossible. You know, up in my office... I have an aquarium, and it has snails in it and fish in it. And they both have a completely different nature than I do. Okay? The snail in my aquarium eats algae. Friends, I could work at it all my life. And I would never reach a point where it was in my nature to lick the inside of my aquarium. You got it? No, it's not in my nature. I could try to teach myself to like algae, and some of you have. You get it and put it in a blender, and you drink that nasty stuff. But I can tell you, it's not in your nature. Might be good for you, but it's not in your nature. Okay? So Jesus says, look, if I'm ever going to change my people's behavior, I have to start here with their nature. And when I change their nature, their nature will give birth to their desires. No one had to take that snail in my aquarium when he was a tiny little snail and say, listen here, bud, let me show you something good to eat. You need to learn how to like algae. No, because that little snail already had it in his nature to like algae. That's why and how God made snails. So God starts by changing our nature, and then he begins to change our desires, and that leads to the right behaviors. And what God said, look at this, this is the most important part of this promise, and that is, when you get on this program You will begin to desire, to hunger and thirst after righteousness because you start here and move in that direction. When you start here and try to make yourself righteous, friends, you will hate righteousness because it doesn't flow from your nature. How do I know that? Well, I want to read us three passages of Scripture And they speak so clearly to this. And the first is this. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? What are those two words? New person. That's your new nature. And then just in case we missed it, he says, The old is gone and a new life has begun. That is the core teaching in all of the New Testament. The wonderful thing that Christ did that that you and I stood and sang about together is incomprehensible love. The great thing that Christ did is He left heaven and came to earth so that you and I could have a new nature on the inside of us. He didn't just come so you would yell at your kids less. That you could sort of white knuckle Your righteousness. Jesus came and said, Look, I know you got a problem. And your problem isn't just yelling at your kids. The problem is you've got a corrupted nature on the inside. It's been corrupted by sin. And the problem with a corrupted nature is it naturally desires the wrong things, it just does. And Jesus came and said, look, I want to start by giving you a new nature. So if you would come and become my follower, anyone who is in Christ, anyone who becomes a Christian, Jesus says, I'm going to take a new nature and put it down in your soul, in the core of your being. Now listen, your new nature is like any other nature. If you feed it, he grows. If you starve it, what happens? It dies. Yeah. So, God works in our nature. The second thing he does, look in Philippians chapter 2, what God says about this. God is the one working in you, giving you the, what's the next word? Desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I I want you to know that this whole promise rests on God's work in your life. And not like oftentimes we think, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I can't do this on on my own. So God, if you would just give me a shot of supernatural power, then I could do what I can't normally do on my own. Or it would be a little bit like saying, okay, God wants me to lift this grand piano. Okay, that's more than I can lift. So here's the deal. God's going to give me a shot of adrenaline that enables me in this moment of time to lift a 600-pound grand piano to where He wants it. And when it's all done, I can say, thank you, God, for that shot. Wouldn't it be better If God came along and said, instead of me giving you a shot to lift the piano, what if I just got underneath the piano with you? And you and I lift it together. What if I gave you a nature and that nature could routinely lift 600 pounds I did give that nature to an elephant, right? How about if I make you a follower of Christ who can do these unnatural, supernatural things? And oh, by the way, these are the things that bring you joy and satisfaction in this life. Not all the things you chase. That's the core message of Christianity. It's God who is at work in you, giving you the desire and the power to do this. Starts with the nature, moves to the desires. So what part do you and I have to play in this? Well, I already inferred it once, okay? Okay. And that is, we have some feeding to do. We have some choices to make, and they're not choices at this level. Eventually, they, they get to be choices at this level, but they start with choices at this level because you still have your old nature. It's not supposed to reign. It still remains, but it's not supposed to reign in your life. You still have your old nature, but you have this brand new nature. And to a great deg- to a great degree, What takes place on this level is determined by what you decide to feed on this level. And if you feed your new nature, it becomes the dominant nature of your life, and it gives birth to these healthy and wonderful desires, and those desires lead you to make what at that point become natural choices out of your new nature. Natural choices... And you end up with this wonderful righteousness in your life. And and the, the amazing thing is, when you get on board that train, sometimes it's like you can't get enough of that. Because you love being transformed. And you love the work that God is doing in your life. And you love the way that He's enabling you to drop the behaviors in your life that were destroying your life and that were that were breaking the relationships in your world. Why? Because now you're beginning to hunger and thirst after this righteousness that is nature, a righteous nature, desires, righteous desires, and then even righteous behaviors. Now how much of this does the world see? Only this. Friend, you could come to this church for years And you could be rotten to the core in this area, and I might never know it. Because I can't see your desires, and I can't see your nature, but you know what I can see most of the time? What's up here? You know what our tendency is then? We love to wear spiritual makeup. (laughs) You know why? There's an old statement that goes like this about carpenters. A little putty and a little paint makes the carpenter look like what he ain't. (laughs) And we have that tendency in this life to put on a little spiritual putty and a little spiritual paint. And to dress up our behaviors a little bit and go around and pretend that we have new desires and a new nature. But friend, you cannot change your desires and your nature. You can only change to some degree and for a short period of time and in a limited way your behaviors. And Jesus says, you come to me. So how do we do that? Here's how James, the brother of Jesus, puts it. God opposes the proud if you, if you want to just circle the word proud and in the margin write these two words, self-reliant. If you think you can produce righteousness in your life <clears throat> and you think that's going to get God's favor, you need to understand you're not going to get God's favor. What does it say God does with those people? Yeah. I'll tell you what. In the game of life, When you pick up your eyes and you see who the opponent is, if it's God, you're in big trouble. Not because he doesn't love you, but because if God lets you go down that path, it will only make your life worse. And God says, I will even come against you to keep you off of that path. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Those who come to God and say, I know I can't change my behaviors because I've got this nature that I can't change. But God, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, God, would you change my nature and would you work in my heart and change my desires so that I can, I can have this hunger and this thirst after righteousness because I believe, God, that joy and satisfaction can't be found anywhere else. I'm coming to you for them. He goes on to say, so humble yourselves before God. And that leads to a question, okay, God, how do I do that? Here's what He says You come close to God. One translation says, draw near. You could, in your margin, write the words, get real. Okay? So you get up every day and you come close to God. And you say, God, on my own, no matter how hard I try, I seem to end up in that unrighteous circle. But I know you can transform me. And oh, by the way, God, here's my test case. Over the next few weeks, this area of my life that I identified this morning, I'm going to come to you every day about that. And i 'm going to draw near to you and i 'm going to ask you to tune me into my new nature because I know that my new nature will give birth to some new desires in me in that area of my life, and so I 'm intentionally opening myself to my new nature and God would you show me where my new nature is and would you help me to understand clearly when I get a message from my old nature and would you help me reject that message from my old nature and when I get a message from my new nature, whatever that message is, would you help me would you help Help me to, 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 to focus on that. For instance, your old nature might say, you've worked hard today. I have this nature. You deserve the opportunity to sit down and watch a mindless TV program. Nothing sinful in that. But your new nature might be saying, um, why don't you go and take a walk with God? Draw near to God. See what He does in your life. It's a message from your new nature. But I already read my Bible today. Oh. I understand how life works. That's why when you watch TV once, you never watch it again the rest of the day. I know, that's preaching right there. You know i I listen friends, no one loves you more than God, but it's so easy for us somehow to end up on this trail and it's so easy for us then to feel guilty because we all fall short up here, right and we and and then we just try harder and we try harder and we and and Jesus is just saying, no, no, no come to me and understand how this works. Let me change your nature. Now tune into that new nature this week. That's why I say here's how we can apply this two ways we can apply this this week. Okay? And the first is this. If you if you've never come to Christ and said change my nature, that's where you got to start. And why would you wait to start beyond today? Start today. Choose to become a follower of Jesus Christ and say, I realize I can't change my own nature, so Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to become a follower of Christ, a Christian, a real life, in the flesh, Christian, not because I can make myself one of those, only I can choose to have you make me one of those. And so today, I set down my pride, and my self-reliance, and I come to Jesus And say, Jesus, I'm here for your transformation project. And I'm here to trust you to forgive my sins. I'm here to trust you to change my life. That's the first way. And I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. The second way is I can take this area of unrighteousness in my life and I can take it to God every day and say, God, tune me into my new nature about that area Tune me into the new desires that come out of my new nature in that area. And then, and then I trust that you will give me the desire and the power to live this wonderful, righteous life that in the end, I believe, because you said it, will bring me true joy and satisfaction in this life. Now I want to lead us in prayer. If you're ready to make that decision to follow Christ, I'll give you a simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer first. And you can say it either out loud or in your heart, but you've got to mean every word of it because you're making a decision that will change your life forever. Christ will change your life forever. And then I want to pray for the rest of us. So if you're ready to make that decision, repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, today I set down my pride. I no longer look inwardly to myself to change my life. I ask you to change my nature. I receive your gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins. Today I become one of your followers. And I pray in your name. Amen. And Father, I pray for every person who just prayed that prayer. God, would you meet them here right now in this moment? And would you do something in their heart that confirms that choice they just made? And then, Lord, I pray for the rest of us as we go out to live this week with you. Would you come into our hearts in a new and fresh way? Would you enable us to listen to that new nature that you've given to us and to recognize the messages that come from that new nature and to respond to them so that our new nature can give birth to our new desires? And then our new desires will fuel in us this desire for right behaviors that we can be righteous from the core of God, we just bless you and we thank you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.